Hello and welcome to the Cordovales Podcast. I'm Joe and do I have a scoop for you. But before we get into that news, we are going to be talking about some comics. So I am here with Muse. Hello. And V. Hi. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So because we do have a lot to go through, I am just going to go through mine really quickly. So I am going to go first. I did The Flash, number 759, because as I said last episode, I refuse to talk about any Bendis titles from here on out until there is a new writer on each every one of those. Self-care. Mm-hmm. So I did The Flash, 759, because it's been a while since I reviewed The Flash, and I've been talking it up a lot because Joshua Williamson is a great writer. So... He is still on this. The art is by Rafa Sandoval. So to catch you guys up to speed about what has happened, Eobard Thawne, Reverse Flash, is once again trying to ruin Barry's life. And this is kind of like the big ending arc because Joshua Williamson is going to be leaving The Flash on 763. So I believe that's in like November at some point. He is gathering up rogues from all across time to make this happen because a bunch of the rogues are locked up. He brings in a older Captain Cold and Golden Glider. He brings in Dawn and Dawn, the Flash twins that are the children of Barry and Iris. But they come from a future where Barry never got to raise them or never got to help raise them. So they grew up resenting him because Uncle Eobard was there. And he even brings in Grodd, when Grodd was a speedster, and the turtle, and also the trickster. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of these people are coming into play here. And the biggest thing that happened last issue was that Eobard Thawne was able to vibrate his body at the same frequency as Barry and was able to merge the two bodies together. So now Eobard Thawne is in Barry's body and Barry's mind is stuck in the Speed Force. He is finally getting to live his dream that he's always wanted, which is to be his idol, except now he gets to be the Flash the way that he feels the Flash should have been, which is taking care of things a lot more violently. He has all the other rogues like just sitting in this warehouse. He said, I need to go take care of a couple things. You guys need to stay here. I don't want you causing any problems, and I will be back. And, of course, the rogues are like, he's been gone for, like, 15 minutes. Let's just rob a couple banks, have a little bit of fun, <laughs> and we'll be back before he even realizes. At the same time, this is where it gets confusing. This Flash meets up with Bart and Young Justice in New Mexico. Confused? <laughs> this is, like, right before they're supposed to be going to Metropolis from the last Young Justice issue. Because remember, they met up with, like, Spoiler and Calder and Sideways yeah. and all that in New Mexico? This was supposed to be on that way there. And Bart sees him, he's like, oh my god, like, Grandpa Barry, like, what are you doing here? I have so many questions. He's like, yeah, just, just run with me. And we'll talk about it, I'll answer everything. At the same time, Barry is trying to break free and have control of his body again. 
And while he's in the Speed Force, he meets up with Jesse Quick and Max Mercury, who haven't been seen since pre-Flashpoint. Aww. Max even explains how it's just like with Wally and Bart when they were in here, and then they were able to break free. So all four of those people are from before New 52. So Max and Jesse are trying to help Barry get control of his body using something which Barry called speed thinking. So he's actually able to catch up with what Eobard is seeing. And that's when he notices Bart, and he remembers Bart right away. He's like, once again, same thing with Wally. He's like, how could I ever have forgotten him? But Bendis, that reunion made it sound like Barry didn't know who he was. Or he was trying to get off like, oh, it's been a while, friend. But it just made it sound like he didn't know him, so. Yeah. Barry in this one even references that last issue so important enough that the editor actually makes a mark he's like oh check out young justice issue 17 to find out what barry's talking about oh which again it gets confusing if eobard is with bart in new mexico before they get to metropolis right before that event <laughs> wibbly wobbly timey wimey mm-hmm. it's all part of that bendis timeline everybody loves <laughs> <laughs> So Josh Williamson is just like, well, if you're not going to pay attention, I'm not going to pay attention. Then Exactly. He's like, I'm getting off of this anyway. This is how my flashes would act. <laughs> because my flashes are immune to uh, retcons. <laughs> but that was it. Now it was a really confusing thing. So then Eobard is running with Bart, answering like a couple questions here. Then they get to Central City. The rogues are causing chaos. They decide to start fighting the rogues. The trickster even mentions to Captain Cole, he's like, don't you think that Thawne's getting a little too into the character as the Flash right now? As he's beating us up. So, <laughs> trickster throws a bomb at him. Eobard catches it, throws it back at him. It explodes. Trickster is badly damaged. So, Thawne's like, okay, now let's just bring all these guys to jail. And Bart says, I think we should probably bring him to a hospital because he seems pretty hurt, Flash. And then this is when you start to see the change because Thawne just starts to break Bart down to size. He's like, that's pretty weak of you to have sympathy for a rogue. Like, maybe you're not Flash family material after all. I mean, you were Kid Flash and now you're Impulse. So what's next? God forbid you become the Flash again. Because if you remember from pre-Flashpoint... When Bart was the Flash for, like, three years, he got killed by the rogues. Thawne leaves Bart there in the dust as he brings the rogues to the safe house. So Thawne sends him out on, like, a shopping list. He's like, listen, Barry's fighting me for control. I need you guys to get these specific items so I can have a lock on his body. While the rogues go off to go do that, Thawne then goes and finds Iris, Wallace, and the Chinese Flash, Avery, who has been hanging out with the Flash family for like the past, I don't know, 20 issues or so. Before all this, Barry was confronted by Thawne because Thawne had killed Godspeed, which I think happened like a couple issues ago. So Barry told Iris and the rest of them to go into hiding, to like stay away from me. I don't want him damaging anybody else. So Thawne finds them in, like, Iris's family's cabin, tries to convince them to come with him, and then, out of nowhere, Impulse kicks Thawne right in the face, and he's like, you're mean. 
The Flash is awkward, he's clumsy, he's messy, but he's not mean, which means that you're not my grandpa. Good and part. And he starts fighting Thawne, and it's amazing. They corner Thawne, and then last page, Jay Garrick now shows up. So now it's just becoming one giant Flash family reunion. Williamson really is trying to go out with a bang. <laughs> Not only that, because he is also doing a Dark Knight's death metal event called Speed Metal. That's going to bring Wally into all this. And that's going to be like the major end of his run. So I think 763 is supposed to lead into that Speed Metal event, and then that's it. And then as far as I know, he's only on Batman Superman. But yeah, he has been doing amazing work with The Flash. I wasn't even reading it from the beginning because it started before I started getting back into comics. And Williamson's been on it apparently for like three years, which is one of the longest writers. I met him at Rose City last year when comic conventions were still a thing. And he is one of the biggest Flash fans I've ever met. He grew up reading The Flash. That was his favorite superhero. I think some of the best writers DC has are the ones that really truly love the characters that they're writing, like Joshua Williamson. Mm-hmm. Tinian's Batman's still a little rocky at times, but you really can see the love and thought that he puts into it. And you can hear that the tone in some of those characters, it is spot on. Mm-hmm. And even Tomasi when he was writing Superman. Yep. Despite what people say. <coughs> when writing Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would honestly say, like, Joshua Williamson easily became one of my favorite writers because of his Flash series. I put him right up there with, like, Dan Jurgens and Tomasi and Robert Venditti for me. But yeah, that was The Flash. It is amazing. I am really sad that it's coming to an end. This is my only gripe with it. I cannot get past the fact of vibrating your body at the same frequency as somebody else's body and being able to merge them together and having control of person B's body. I don't think science could allow this. I feel like two masses combining is going to look like a giant glob or some type of like dysmorph thing that you would see out of like a Play-Doh. Flash Force is like a sentient magical being. (laughs) It's more magic than science, let's be real. It really is like that borderline magic because everything just gets explained away with the speed force. Yeah. I guess. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's like that techno sorcery. Really? Yeah. This isn't written by scientists. (laughs) There's very little science in comic books. Yeah. And it's not going to satisfy you. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just like my only gripe with it that that's the most ridiculous thing that I can think of. But other than that, I give it like a 7 out of 10, 7.5 out of 10. It was really good. Mm. So, B, what do you got to talk about? Let's talk about the man in black. Let's talk about that guy who is famously afraid of bats. (laughs) That's right. It's me. Oh, you don't like bats? You weakling. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Back to talking about something other than Joe's many phobias. (laughs) I read Detective Comics by Muse's love, Tomasi. Why is he my love? Because no one else wants him. (laughs) (laughs) Joe wants him. I want him back in Metropolis. That's true. (laughs) Return Tomasi to Metropolis (laughs) Challenge 2020. 
This is why 2020 fell apart, you guys. You took Tomasi out of Metropolis. <laughs> so this was uh, Detective Comics 1025. And uh, it is the Joker War comic. Basically, we're in Tinian's Gotham now. Everyone better get on board. The Tinian train's <laughs> arrived. <Choo-choo>. So-, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get into my review of Tomasi himself. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> His runs previously have been very predictable. Mm-hmm. He has these mini arcs that last two to three issues. And generally the first issue is awesome. It fills you with hope. It shows you a familiar character. You're like, wow, I'm having a great time. And then number two and three roll around and you're like, what? why did you do that? <laughs> why did you write them that way? Why did Batman turn into the worst person I've ever met? <laughs> Why is everything awful? And it's like, oh, yeah, Tomasi freaking hates Batman. Okay. So this one I was expecting, mm, you know, something kind of good because the beginning of a new arc, Tomasi does his best and then he loses interest. I'll tell you what I wasn't expecting was an opening shot of Batwoman. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a fight in the graveyard because, of course, there is a Joker war. There's a whole bunch of teenagers and college students wearing Joker outfits and they are way into it. You know they spent their own personal money on these outfits because they have little Joker branded earrings, they got Joker sneakers, they've been making up screen printed shirts for their Joker minion (laughs) status, and they're wearing backpacks. So these idiots are all running around. So Bullock's there leading the charge. They're losing really badly. When Batwoman shows up, this is the Batwoman I have dreamt of seeing, and honestly have never seen. Every time I pick up a Batwoman issue, I seem to get the wrong ones because she's awful in them. So this Batwoman, amazing. She's calculating. I love her thought squares. They're all in red, of course. She's stylistically beautifully drawn. That's another thing. This art in this book is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. He did an amazing job, and honestly, Dan Brown's colors really complement this. Mm-hmm. So huge shout out to that. This this looks amazing. So there's these beautiful full page spreads of this fight. She's issuing orders. She sounds like a military leader, and even the cops call her out on that. Like who issued her her stripes? <laughs> she does an amazing job keeping everybody alive. There's just some beautiful shots of. Her punching people and their masks flying off and you see who these people are they're all weaklings they're just weak regular college kids who think that joker's cool like punchline yeah they're (laughs) all punchline wannabes i just love like the little details in some of them too like whether it's a joker tattoo behind the ear or like a little joker earring Oh, yeah. And, like, mismatched socks, or they're all taking off mm-hmm. to different types of clowns, or they're trying to be cool, so they have different types of gorilla gear on. You know, it's very homemade looking, which I thought was a really nice detail. I will also say, though, with that, is I'm really happy to see Bullock being more understanding about, like, having to work with the Bat family. Because mm-hmm. I'm so used to him being so standoffish against Batman. Right. He's developed into, like, this really good cop. He leads his troops, mm-hmm. very in control. He's turning more into Slam Bradley every day, and <laughs> I'm here for it. Bullock's doing great. You're right. He's really coming along nicely. He's becoming a more and more sympathetic character all the time. You feel for the guy, but he's kind of amazing, too, because he doesn't have that breakdown that you're kind of expecting from Commissioner Gordon all the time now. Not yet. 
So back at the graveyard, we see the results of all of Lucius Fox's meddling, and we see that there are a bunch of bat drones. <laughs> they're pretty big, and they're like strafing the graveyard. So the bat team was doing good, and then all of a sudden, they're all being killed. Of course, the important characters live, and there's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on top of a mausoleum, because Batman only sits on rich people graves, <laughs> and he's shooting down all of the drones with a big old gun, and at first you're like, Batman, oh no, and at first when I first saw him, I was like, oh, it's another alternate Batman, oh no, we're piling on the bats again, and having flashbacks. Oh, what's the name of that Batman? Is the Batman. Oh, the Grim Knight. Thank you. That's the word I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so I thought this was the Grim Knight because Grim Knight's the only Batman with guns. This is a big old gun, but it turns out it's not a gun. It's an EMP because Batman doesn't do guns, but Batman does do technicalities. <laughs> so as long as it's shooting electromagnetic projectiles, he is actually shooting things out of a gun-shaped gun. Yes. So anyways, he, <laughs> he shoots... The drones, they fall down. He's, like, barely hanging on, but then he gets hit by a drone. So, of course, he finally has to get help. And Batwoman, of course, swoops to the rescue, and there's this very cute cousin team-up that happens for the rest of the comic. Yeah. Batwoman is drawn so hot here. (laughs) Her hair is impeccable. I love it so much. It's, like, parted all the way to one side, so it kind of hangs down. And she looks so serious. She looks so intense and scary, but incredibly hot. She's doing a lot of posing, hands on hips, standing on rocks, looking like a general. She does this a lot. It cracks me up. She argues with Batman, because of course she does, about who wears the pants in their relationship. And also, who sits in the back seat of her little bike. She takes Batman to Wayne Tech, because they know that they're 3D printing off all of them weapons and they need to kill him at the source so it's a madcap race to the heart of the beast and batman tells her you know we got two missions here one is to definitely stop the weapons but also we have to save lucius and she's down with it and you can tell she's thinking the entire time you're gonna be distracted while i murder people because <laughs> that's my brand but yeah, it's very cute. At one point, he's like, brace for impact, Kane. And she's like, consider me braced, Wayne. <laughs> so I just love it because it's total cousin nonsense. They get there. They do their cool fighting. He's in a freaking tank. <laughs> he's in the giant, amazing tank. It's the best tank. It's the biggest tank I've seen yet. And I bet Tinian's just angry he didn't get to debut at first. <laughs> she's up in the turret and she's like, I thought you didn't like guns. And he's like, let me explain to you how they're not guns. <laughs> listen listen to me, Batwoman, okay? Are you listening? Um, they're not guns. They shoot off some kind of stun emitter. Something like a gun. But in this case, the way it blows up, it's enough to kind of stun them and throw them back because they're, you know, 90-pound winklings. They're all super skinny. And you could still disable someone for life. It doesn't help with the effects of it, too. <laughs> the effects are like, <laughs> boom! <laughs> and then there's Kate, you know, she's like, war as hell. <laughs> she actually says that at one point, and it, oh, it made me laugh so hard. She's nuts. So Kate's just like, yes. 
take out all the bad guys. It's a really long fight scene. It's a lot of fun. We watch people flying this way and that, and one guy's like trying to hold up his pants as he falls. It's silly. Batwoman, save Lucius. She flies in like it's an Overwatch mission, slinks right through, grabs the bad guy, kicks him in the face, explains to the audience that she is in fact breaking his jaw in this exact moment, <laughs> and then she says, you rides here, Mr. Fox, or I don't know. There's this great scene where she is rappelling down like an angel, <laughs> and he's wrapping his arms and legs around her like a koala. <laughs> He says he's burning up, he has a fever. Batman says, that's the last day before he dies. <laughs> and she's like, oh. That's helpful. <laughs> so he says, no worries. I have my bat deuce ex machina <laughs> right here in my belt. I'm just going to inject this into your little neck, and we're not going to remove these horrifying needles from your face. We're just going to leave those in. We'll put this little neutralizer in your neck, because why not just poke him full of more holes? I mean, this man is a pincushion. <laughs> He says, this won't fix it, but it'll keep you safe until we get you to the Batcave, where Tinian probably has something else <laughs> up his sleeve. I don't know. I'm oversimplifying it, but there's a lot of really cute dialogue in here. Everyone is on point. Batman is going to get him back. Batwoman gets to take off in the night. And he says something cryptic, like, the battle's still raging. Gotham needs us. The Joker has to be put down hard and she's like we're in complete agreement on that war is hell batman for everyone and everything you do what you do and i'll do what i do rides off and i love kate kane like this i love her as this over dramatic everything's an extreme because it does differentiate her and batman because batman is more moderate than kate is I don't think she's ever been this much of a soldier, but I do like to see her lean into it. It's kind of funny for me. Honestly, like, I wouldn't have changed a single thing from this. From the art, to the pacing, to the jokes, to the dialogue, to the interactions, to the characterization. The whole overall plot and the fact that it moved us forward in Tinian's run, I feel like it's the tandem thing. Like, oh, yeah. Doesn't it feel like they're working completely together in mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. I gotta say, like, this to me is a 10 out of 10. Like, I couldn't have made this better. It really was amazing. I want to say the tank scene is my favorite. And like you said, too, it does feel like an Overwatch payload situation. It has that same type of intensity that I was just as immersed in that scene as I was in, like, the intro to Batman 95. Mm. Like, just that whole, like, action movie buildup. Yeah, it really felt cinematic. Mm -hmm. I need to good. read this now because I've been getting so bogged down with all the Empire stuff. I need to now start reading the other Joker War things that are coming out because we're in the thick of it. Yeah, I feel like it's a fun time. Like, I don't feel like I'm being forced to read this right no. now. No. Which usually happens whenever DC has an event. Yeah, it's been a while since I've liked a story or gotten involved in, like, a DC story this much and being like, yes, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to know where this is going since Witching Hour. That was really good. Honestly, I was a real fan of Year of the Villain. I really enjoyed that Snyder event and just Lex Luthor Perpetua and all the different one shots for these villains and getting these new amped up abilities and what they're capable of doing now for it. Like it was a really fun time. Yep. Like, <laughs> That's why I'm yeah, bad. Yep. Definitely read Detective, but before you do, 
could you please tell us about what you read this week? Yes. No matter how confused we get, and we apologize in advance. Or at least I apologize in advance. I don't want to speak for you. So we'll find out how confused I get. I get confused easily. <laughs> I don't think I got confused on the last issue. No, you were good. Like You were bouncing off of what I was talking about. Issue like two and three, I got blank stares because I had already did issue one by myself. And you guys were like... <laughs> It was a lot of like it backtracking. Is a lot. I'm still trying to heal from that handbook. Oh, I haven't yeah. even read all of it. I, I just threw it into it a bag and a board and I threw That's it. That's what in. I did. <laughs> so, once again, I'm covering Empire, and this issue is number five. Writers the same Al Ewing and Dan Slott, and Valerio Shichi is the artist. This is the second to last issue of the the main issues of the event. We're kind of giving into our 11th hour. So last issue we ended with the amazing announcement and revelation that yes, Wiccan and Hulkling did get married. In Incoming, you see Hulkling showing up at home. He only has an hour before he's supposed to go up to the Alliance Armada. They've found him and they're like, okay, we need you to come with us. But he's like, I can't leave now. They're like, okay, we give you an hour. So in the span of this hour, they give us a bit more context that he does explain to Billy, like what's going on and what he's doing instead of just running off in an hour, explains everything. The reason for taking on the mantle of emperor of the crease role alliance to fight off a race of plant people bent on destroying all of animal life in the galaxy, have sex, and get married in under an hour. Excuse me, what? (laughs) Seems believable. And getting all those people there under an hour, all dressed up in suits and dresses. I get it. We we have teleporters and speedsters, but good lord. (laughs) That's a lot in one hour. A little unfeasible, but not as ridiculous as Reverse Flash vibrating himself so fast that he merged into Barry. No, uh, I'm going to go with Flash's, because Flash is precedent. Speed Force is magic. <laughs> they, they don't have the time to stop time for a wedding and then get all their friends and get all the outfits. I don't know. Wedding magic doesn't exist. You have to go to Marvel exist. offices. You have to get Al Ewing and Jim Chung to go to the wedding also. Listen, marriage may be magical, but weddings are hell. There is Trinity no was a Las Vegas wedding. So it was that quick, like, get in, um, chapel yeah, wedding. Everybody so. was wearing, like... Where did he even get the room in Manhattan in under an hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, his name is Wiccan, but, like, I don't believe anyone can get a room in Manhattan under an hour. <laughs> oh, no, they teleported to Las Vegas. So they did a Vegas wedding. That's why they're like, oh, the, the paperwork will be ready job. in five minutes. And then they're like, okay, how are we going to get everyone over to Las Vegas? Speedsters and teleporters. I think we can get them over here. I'm like, you have one speedster. Anyways, this hour has become like the pinnacle of everything for some odd reason. And I don't know why. (laughs) What else are they going to do? Are they just... After party now in an hour. I would love that if like every issue reveals another thing that happened in that hour (laughs) until the end of Empire. (laughs) The mysterious hour. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, that happens, and we know that 
Wiccan was like, this isn't my Teddy. This is not him. There's something up. This is him writing off of the whole, like, magic thing. He says, I'm symbolically bonded to Teddy now, and magic is metaphor. So symbol and reality are the same thing. And he knows where he is. He knows that he's still alive. So yeah, through the power of love, he is able to track their bond because of magic. Wiccan's been able to pull off a bunch of bullshit before, so I'm just, like, writing it off and calling it what it is. It's fine. It then jumps again, and the thing is getting beaten up by She-Hulk, who is now being mind-manipulated by the Kotati. Right. And Sue is trying her hardest to try and, like, block her blows. She's even trying to put, like, force fields around her brain to try and, like, separate the, the plant from the brain. But, of course, the thing is not giving in. And then it just kind of ends. We'll probably get the finale of their fight in the next issue. The biggest gripe is a lot of these plot lines are kind of ending on cliffhangers. And then we once again jump now to Black Panther, who is fighting tooth and nail against a respawning army of Kotati by himself. Unfortunately, ends in his, I'm going to put air quotes around his death, a portal pops up right by the Wakandan vibranium mound that he's fighting at, and out comes Swordsman, who stabs him in the back. Hmm. In a later scene, he goes to see if like he's still alive, and he's like, oh, he's not breathing. I don't know. He's not as dead as She-Hulk. Koi plants his death blossom seed right in the vibranium mound, and that kind of ends that little plot with the Wakandan side of things. We make our way back up to the armada floating above Earth, and in comes Wiccan with Teddy actually in tow. He has this, like, mask thing on. Apparently it's a scroll device that prevents scroll from using their shape-shifting powers. It was in an old comic. <laughs> I saw somebody mention this on Twitter. They're like, oh my gosh, I really like this reference to like an old scroll character. I don't remember the name. I'm not as familiar with it. They threw him in the brig of the Armada because the last thing he remembers is Tanalth, the Kree accuser who turns out to be grandma, locked him away and hid him so no one would find him and just thought he was just another prisoner. I knew it was a grandma. <laughs> She manipulating things, and of course, it's too late for them to stop her from using the pyre because it's already been triggered to destroy the solar system, and they have about like nine or eight minutes before total annihilation. And it seems like a huge fight's gonna break out on the brig of the ship because she rushes at him. It ends with Reed Richards actually in that Fantastic Four Iron Man esque suit that Tony's oh, been okay. working on. At the end of all these issues, they've actually posted concept art, which is really cool. You don't get that very often. Yeah. And you see him in the suit, and there's a picture of Stretchy Reed <laughs> in the suit, and it looks so awkward. So I'm guessing he must have somehow used similar tech to their suits to allow Reed to still stretch in it. He looks like the creatures from Kamino in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah. He looks like some alien for sure. Mm. But I love that. I love that he's turned that into cool Edna concept. Mode, where he's just, like, <laughs> trying to make his own fan creations for every hero. I mean, he did Scarlet Spider, he did Iron Patriot for Cap, mm -hmm. and he's also a Hulkbuster. 
Yeah, yes. they wouldn't make one for Black Cat, so she had to make one for herself. This is true. <laughs> and I thought it was awesome. So that was kind of Empire. I'm going to give it about a 6 out of 10. Like, it wasn't my favorite, but it did move the plot along. I'm only giving it as high of a rating because it's important, but nothing was incredible about this except, like, the very beginning because I did love the art. <laughs> <laughs> it's my boys. And just... Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the facial expression. You liked seeing them waking up in bed together. Admit it. No, it's like Hulkling's like face. Just the way he looks at Wiccan is just so sweet. It's so filled with love. So I'm gonna give huge props to the artist for being able to get that across. And I do like how she draws Billy as well with his mm-hmm. newer hairstyle. It's like the '90s Superboy hair. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Well, that is awesome. Now, before I get to talk about my major scoops, V, could you tell us the other comics that came out this week? Sure. So, for this week, we got some Batman and the Outsiders. Do you know what the last one's going to be? Number 17. Number 17. So, we have two more weeks after this one. I didn't even read it. I wish him the best of luck on that, but I'm out of the Outsiders. We're done. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, two more issues. Listen, I love my girl Orphan. I think I'll love her better when I have a writer who writes her right. So, Batman's Grave, number nine. Dark Knight Death Metal, number three. That is getting ridiculous. I usually like Snyder's stuff. I feel like he's just kind of given up with this event. Because this is his final event that he is doing for DC. And then he's stepping down. He's just going to kind of be like the Jeff Johns writer where he'll pop in every now and then. Sure. And it's just getting more and more ridiculous with all these different 4 a.m. thoughts of alternate Batman. Oh, yeah, because he's, like, kind of <laughs> piling them on. Name name five new Batman. Five new Batman? Uh-huh. You have Robin King Batman, which was a murdering young Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. You have Bat Brainiac. Mm-hmm. You have Batrocitus. <laughs> you have a Bat Monster Truck. <laughs> you have B-Rex. <laughs> Who is similar to the bat monster truck of a Batman who uploaded his consciousness into his technology. And the only surviving tech of Batman was the monster truck. But B-Rex is the mechanical dinosaur that's in the bat cave. I I was going to say, is there also a bat coin? (laughs) And another spinoff recently in Death Metal 3 is the Batman Silver Surfer. What? Yeah, it's supposed to be a play on the Black Racer. Um, You know, that guy that is basically like the Grim Reaper of the galaxy uh for DC. But he's on a surfboard, a silver surfboard. And he's all chrome, and he's got bat ears. You just stole that from Marvel. Yeah, can you do that? That seems illegal. I mean, they take from each other all the time. But that's in the old days. Like, I don't think that's... They do that recently, too. Donny Cates has been doing that. Well, Donny Cates is Donny Cates. He just wants to be over on DC's side so bad. (laughs) Yeah, so that's Dark Knight's Death Metal 3. (laughs) (laughs) That might be up some people's alley, just saying. (laughs) I feel like it is, but the humor is very eh now yeah it's getting old he usually is good with the humor but now it's very slick yeah because he was kind of being on brand with the characters at least yeah but now it's not uh, oh oh last one batman dark side i mean he had to go there of course he did <laughs> that's probably one of the first ones he thought up every superman villain but make it batman but i will say this the long-haired superman drawn really well that's all i care about in life 
if you haven't picked that up by now, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, the plot? Well, the art was good. <laughs> so, The Green Lantern Season 2, number 6 is out. Hawkman, number 26. That was amazing. He's doing a good job. Like, he explained the whole thing to me, and honestly, I would pick it up. Like, definitely pick up Hawkman 26. It sounds like the resolution was perfect. It was great. Was that the last issue? No, it's still going to be continuing. It's a new story arc. It was a resolution for that specific story arc and changing Hawkman and Hawkgirl for the rest of eternity. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's a really important issue. The art just through that whole series. Like, if you wanted to collect the series, it's a little late, but it is absolutely gorgeous. It's only 26 issues in. Robert Venditti is the writer for it. Brian Hitch has been doing the art for it for the most part. It is really, really good. If you want to understand this story arc for this giant thing, I would pick up the last three issues and just remember that it played a part with Gear the Villain. And that's it. That's a good one. Um, also, Justice League Odyssey 23. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost done, too. I think that one's ending around the same time as Outsiders. Superman 24. I did not read it. Because good for you. Proud of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I read Wonder Woman 760. I gotta say, it's hitting all those Cameron Stewart, Batgirl tropes that, like, drive me mm-hmm. absolutely feral. Like, the, oh my gosh, is that a camera? Can we get a selfie? Like, thing that happens when men write teenage girls. But it's Wonder Woman. I'll just give you a highlight. So, there's, like an accident where some guy is going to demolish the wrong building because we're dealing with Maxwell Lord and we're dealing with mind control at this moment. So there's imminent danger of like, you know, things falling because he breaks through the glass before she can stop this wrecking ball. So one of the buildings is partially demolished. And then of course there are all these onlookers down below. So Wonder Woman's trying to clear the area and this little girl comes running up and goes, you saved us, Wonder Woman. Can I take a picture with you? And she's like, okay, of course you can. But then you have to run away because this is dangerous. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> is this your first day being a superhero? It's What's going on? so bad. Like, I, I explained it to V when we both ended up reading it. I said, Wonder Woman would have been like, yes, we can take a picture. Let's go take one over there <laughs> where it's safe. After I get everybody out, sweetie, why don't you go get a head start? But, uh, no, she holds a very young child under the wreckage of this building, and, uh, she gets fired from Wonder Woman positions. (laughs) So now, no more Wonder Woman. It's cancelled. But she takes a nice selfie with Halo effects. Oh, yeah, she takes a selfie, and of course they show that picture where, like, you know, because you want to know how it turned out, because you're vapid I guess I don't know (laughs) and of course her eyes are slightly crossed it's not a good picture (laughs) some of the art like it's so touch and go some of it is just perfect and Mm -hmm. some of it is not perfect and once again the coloring it's very smoothed out and it drives me crazy when they like use the blur effect Mm -hmm. on colors so that's my pet peeve but the good news about Wonder (laughs) Woman is that Every variant is done by Joshua Middleton for the foreseeable future, and Joshua Middleton is one of my favorite cover artists, along with Ben Oliver, Yasmin Putri, who I haven't seen around a lot, so all of my focus is on Joshua Middleton right now. (laughs) He's killing them. They all look amazing. So if you want to collect for the covers, definitely buy Wonder Woman, but like, 
also, I just think they need to step it up a bit with yeah. uh, how she's written. Mariko. Mariko Tamaki. Mariko Tamaki. I was trying to remember where I knew her from. She's the one who ruined She-Hulk. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I'm pretty sure she's the one who gave She-Hulk a, like, a YouTube cooking show. Oh, no. She's one of those women who, like, needs to... Well, I shouldn't say women because Cameron Stewart is a woman, but she's one of those people who needs to, like, modernize and update women's superheroes to make them appeal to their perception of the female youth. Female Bendis. <laughs> Not every villain is Bendis. Gosh, you sound like Superman. You say that now. <laughs> it sounds like Luther. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> sorry. On it's, to you, Muse. from Marvel this week. All right. So Marvel had The Amazing Spider-Man number 46, Captain Marvel number 19, which is an Empire tie-in. It was actually really good. The Empire storyline with Captain Marvel has been really interesting because they apparently found out recently that she actually is part Kree and isn't just a experiment from them because of whatever happened to her in the comics that's similar but different than the MCU and I'm mostly going off the MCU um and she meets her half-sister whoa yep and her half-sister is hilariously adorable um she's just like a big Cree woman that doesn't know what she's doing and she's at Carl's apartment I was a little confused because during all the Empire stuff going on right now she's been on the Armada ship but now she's out in space, but I'm like, these are all technically supposed to happen before Empire 5 happened. So you have oh. to kind of keep some of this in mind because of just releases of these mm-hmm. tie-ins happening way later than they're supposed to. So, so you so, kind of have to keep cross-checking with that original checklist? Yeah, I do have to keep cross-checking. Like, okay. Especially with her. She's really the only one that definitely just like super coincides mm-hmm. with that. Everything else is just like... Shit's like happening on Earth. Stuff too, where you know Justice League is all in space. Yet Batman's in Gotham, Flash is in Central City. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But she does have one more issue that might bring her back to okay. the ship. So I don't know. Um. So we also had Empire Avengers number two, Empire Captain America number two, Empire X Men number three. We still got X Men zombies going on on <laughs> Genosha. Mm. Yeah, they're causing more problems than good. Let's, let's just Wait, say they made t- zombie plants. <laughs> they are literally, it is plants versus zombies, the game. Oh, no. Uh. Wait, what good have they done? What's what are zombies? <laughs> They're rebuilding up the economy. <laughs> these these zombies are more bad than good. I'm afraid to say. <laughs> What's the good? It's not looking good for the mutants right now, and. Uh, Magic is now, like, calling herself the zombie demon queen because she picked up some magic staff. And I'm like, oh, great. So they're, like, self-aware zombies. They're totally like, yeah, I'm a zombie. What of it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's annoying. Also, I heard Kitty Pride is now a queen. Is that a thing? I forgot to read Marauders. Oh. I was so focused on uh, Empire stuff. I'm sure you were. Okay, never mind. Um. So, yeah, we also had Ghost Spider number nine. Hawkeye Freefall number 5, The Immortal Hulk number 36, Marauders number 11, um, Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider number 5, Star Wars Darth Vader number 4, Venom 27, and X-Force 
number 11. My goodness. And Marvel. Darth Vader was actually getting pretty good. They're doing a lot of callbacks to, like, the prequels because Ooh. it's focusing right now on the possibility Padme is alive. Oh. Yeah. That's a twist. So Darth Vader is on Naboo working alongside an old servant of Padme and two of their other guards. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. So, now, you ready for these scoops? I'm ready for all the scoops. You ready? Let's go. I'm going to lowball them to you. I'm going to lowball them. So, first off, there is a new young adult graphic novel out this week called Lois Lane and the Friendship Challenge. It is by Grace Ellie and Brittany Williams. It is a young Lois Lane working for her local suburb town newspaper. That's all I heard about it. Aw, baby gumshoe. Next one I got, Kelly Sue DeConnick is off of Aquaman in November. I am actually a little bit upset with this because I've really been enjoying her Aquaman run. I did not think I would ever read an Aquaman run. I picked hers up the same time I picked up Williamson's Flash, and she has been doing great. She has been on it, I want to say, since the Drowned Earth stuff with Justice League. Don't quote me on it, though. And now there have been major layoffs across Warner Brothers ever since the new CEO, Jason Kyler, has taken his position a couple days ago. They were looking at an estimate of over 600 layoffs across all departments. That's Warner Media. TNT, DC Comics, HBO, HBO Max, all that stuff. On August 10th, the CEO, Jason Kyler, has sent a letter describing his new plans for all this stuff. And it's mainly the layoffs are affecting editors and executive editors. In terms of DC Comics, it is about one third of the editorial staff. That's part of the 600 that got laid off. Three of those names would be Brian Cunningham, Mark Doyle, and Andy Corey. Mark Doyle and Andy Corey were also formed a major part of DC's complete rebranding with Rebirth stuff, along with the organization and establishment of the Black Label title, which has been doing very well for DC aside from the Last God comic. And you also had Senior VP of Publishing and Support Services Hank Canals, VP of Marketing and Creative Services Jonah Whelan. Jonah Whelan is also the founder of comics journalism site comic book resources and he only joined dc in july of 2019 Hmm. then you also have the vp global publishing initiatives and digital strategy bobby chase who has helped spearhead dc comics into the young adult novels just like the cassandra kane one all that they're getting rid of people that have managed to spearhead really great projects. Like you mentioned the Black Label, the mm-hmm. YA and kids graphic novels, to the point where Marvel is now starting to emulate them. They're going to start making their own graphic novels. Yeah. And then we also had editor-in-chief Bob Harris, who a couple people are glad to see him go. He apparently has been facing scrutiny for years, along with a couple others for his alleged protection of employees like the accused sexual harasser Eddie Braganza and admitted sexual harasser Scott Lobdell. I'm also quoting a couple of these things from several different news articles. So Hollywood Reporter, CBR, Newsorama. I probably went through like 10 or 15 articles. 
there was also a rumor that was spreading like the day this all was happening that Jim Lee was going to be stepping down as publisher and somebody else was going to be replacing him. That's not the case. He is still going to be publisher as of right now. He is going to be focusing more in terms of like a liaison position as CCO, which is what he's pretty much been doing as it is, just branding and whatnot. So AT&T is also looking to bring in a general manager for DC Comics from the world of esports. What? Is the quote. <laughs> no. Nobody knows who this guy is yet. This is like when Disney, they were like, we're going to change everything up. And they like brought in all these fashion designers from the world of Broadway and they put them in charge of story. And it was like, why did you do that? That's why we got so many sucky films after the Golden Age. This makes no sense whatsoever. Like, talent from esports. Why does that have to do with anything with comics? Like, I I enjoy my esports, but like... No idea. That is a separate world. Like, follow what Marvel did. Marvel has hired a bunch of people who have been novelists. Like, actual good novelists. We're not talking about Mm. Melissa De La Cruz. She can go in a hole. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Like Rainbow Orwell, she was a novelist, and they brought mm. her in to write Runaways and has done a fantastic job. But esports makes no sense. Absolutely none whatsoever. Even bringing in people from the film world would make more sense than that. Exactly. You would think. Unless, like, they're trying to focus on, like, the actual video games division, if they're trying to make something of that. Well, that seems like a very poor choice of words in general. If you were going to say we have some people in the world of games coming in, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, esports implies a very, I'm sorry, Muse, mediocre attempt to bring games into the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that poor marketing strategy that that you see everywhere. It's it's the really tacky announcers. Mm -hmm. It's the weird switch that Overwatch made from Twitch to YouTube. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. It's It's where you think, like, these guys are a little out of touch with gaming. (laughs) Just a little bit. They're not even at the top of the gaming world. (laughs) When you say esports, I don't know if they just misspoke and were like Mm -hmm. someone from the gaming world, and they don't really understand gaming, and they thought that would give it more credibility. Right. Or if they're, like, literally talking about the marketers and announcers Mm -hmm. and the weird celebrities from that world. I honestly do not know, and... I haven't found anybody else who does know yet, so maybe it'll get uncovered in the next couple days because they were very vague about that. It's very cryptic. A lot of this stuff was. It did not sound good. And one of the other things that actually kind of upset me was that DC Collectibles, which is a whole branch of DC for the past 20 years, is now permanently shut down. This is the branch that brought you all the action figures, the different busts, all these different... 50 even like $20 range stuff mm-hmm. maybe they're going to be bringing it back eventually but you could have just put it on hold you didn't have to get rid of the whole thing that's been around for 22 years of DC maybe they'll bring it back with like a different name like maybe? they did with Black Label because Black Label replaced Vertigo mm. Black Label's very different from Vertigo though mm. Vertigo is more experimental Black Label's just like a very expensive version of a comic I feel like it might have something to do with kind of feel like how they had to switch distributors when Diamond went under for a bit. Mm-hmm. If we do have any weird embargoes with China or something, then like getting those printed might be bad. But like at the same time, I don't know. It just seems like it's a lot, a of, lot big of drastic changes. Mm-hmm. One of the things though was expected for a while about 
a year and a half ago now, we had the DC Universe streaming app. You can literally stream movies, TV shows. You can even read comics and shop DC merchandise on this thing. A lot of the editors and executors have been laid off from that whole site. A lot of people have been speculating this is happening because they had gotten rid of their annual membership. They only bumped it down to monthly now. And a lot of their shows, like Titans, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and Harley Quinn, are going to CW and HBO and streaming at the same time. Right. So a lot of people are predicting that it's going to get shut down soon, and you would just have to subscribe to like HBO. Well, to- you've been predicting that for a while, too. Yeah. It me- sounds like these layoffs kind of confirm it, though. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it really sucks, too, because like I've been using the streaming app for more than just the DC original shows like I yes I used it for Young Justice Outsiders I experimented Titans but I've mainly been using it to rewatch the Batman animated series Mm -hmm. I rewatched Justice League I've been rewatching the Superman 90s and we've been binge watching Lois and Clark yeah like these are all things that I do not believe are any other streaming platform haven't seen them on Netflix in a while. They're not on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I don't think that HBO Max is going to be picking up all of this stuff up. Yeah, that's definitely the issue. Because I know when DC Universe first came out, it didn't have the full catalog of stuff, mm-hmm. be it from live action to animated. It took them a while to put everything on there. When last year, Disney Plus came out and they're like, hey, here's everything that has the Disney label on it we'll start pumping out everything from our subsidiary companies that we lumped in when we got Fox. So like slowly you're starting Mm -hmm. to see more Fox shows. You're starting to see blue sky stuff, like all of ice age is on there now. And I was like, excuse me, why is ice age on Disney plus? (laughs) (laughs) But DC is just DC. And Mm -hmm. I did like how they were putting the comics on there, but it just wasn't easily accessible. So no, like, okay, if we keep putting out these DC shows like Stargirl, Swamp Thing at this point is canceled, Doom Patrol already moved over to HBO Max. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Young Justice when it comes out, but like those ongoing series can easily switch to either HBO Max or CW. And you're like, okay, that's fine. What about the catalog? What about this backlog of stuff to binge? Is it going to go on HBO? I really don't see it is because HBO Max, they've already came out and said how they're going to be cycling DC Comics content. So mm-hmm. things that would be on there now may not be on there in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, DC Universe, it doesn't have the latest live action stuff like Man of Steel, the Justice League, Wonder Woman, Batman vs. Superman, it doesn't have any of that stuff. Which was weird. <laughs> yeah, but it does have the other stuff. It has the Christopher Reeves movies, it has the Michael Keaton Batman and Christian Bale, I believe. It has, like, the Mm -hmm. 90s live-action Flash. A lot of this stuff I don't see getting picked up from anything else. And it really sucks because that's what I've really used this site for. And it's really nice to have all that just straight DC content. Like, yeah, Disney Plus is cool for, like, rewatching like, the X-Men cartoon or the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s Mm -hmm. and stuff. Or Gargoyles. Yeah. Just like, how about something (laughs) non-Marvel-related? But yeah, I I know. I hate to say this because I I don't like to support big corporations, but here's the thing. Disney is a a monster, okay? 
They're a horrifying <laughs> job-killing monster. Listen to me. They will hire and devour smaller studios. They will try to put them out of business. They will try to shut down independent creatives. They are destroyers of the American way of life, and Disney must be stopped. A bulwark against Disney is Warner <laughs> Brothers, okay? So if Warner Brothers can stay strong, we have at least a little bit of a buffer against them controlling all of everything we watch. It hurts me to see them that make weird, bad choices, mm -hmm. yeah. and this seems like it might be a bad move. And very drastic and extreme changes like this, like over 600 layoffs in so many different departments, shutting down so many other departments. And now, next week, DC Comics has their DC Fandom, which is like their online 24-hour comic convention, mm -hmm. where they're going to be having a bunch of different panels with celebrities and writers and artists and interviews and sneak peeks of, like, Matt Reeves' Batman, Wonder Woman 84. They're going to have something from Zack Snyder's Justice League. But what about all these other things that I want to say these executor editors and these other editors and whatnot were going to have to do with this? With all these rumors still up in the air and things not really be fully answered, I'm sure a lot of these interview questions now are going to be tackling stuff like this. Um, and if it's going to be live 24 hours because they want to get it through all the time zones, mm -hmm. there's no way that they'd be able to cut out all those like questions that people may be asking. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, they probably can't answer a lot of that. Because, mm -hmm. like, you know, they can answer stuff about their own series, but, like, how long are any of these series going to be on the table if we don't know when the cutting's going to stop? Exactly. And... As it is right now, a lot of comic book writers and artists are afraid mm. for their stuff. And I've been seeing mm. in like all of our Twitter writers and artists from both DC, Marvel, Image, they've been giving support to one another, saying, you know, like DC has been a major part of my life. My heart goes out to you. We'll mm -hmm. get through this. If you need help with crowdfunding, please don't be afraid to, to hit me up. I will more than be happy to help you. I really do love the informal network that comics has had for veteran storytellers because they don't have a guild like the animation guild no. in california but no. they like will put up funds for each other and indiegogos and benefits and auctions and i really appreciate that i think that's really sweet granted it is more and more becoming like if you have the right mm -hmm. beliefs and politics and if you're part of the in crowd I think, from speaking simply from a fan's point mm -hmm. of view, a lot of the writers, editors, artists have been kind of sloppy, kind of lazy. And so seeing some of these series that were maybe not putting in any effort, getting cut or coming to an end, Brian Hill, mm. <laughs> is kind of okay with me. I mean, there are a few layoffs, obviously, I'm going to have mm. quarrels with, but like... If cutting, like, the fat a little bit, like, makes the people who stay actually put in some effort, then maybe I'm not going to be as upset. Mm. I'm hoping that's what it turns into, that anything that starts to actually hurt them financially, that they change it around and bring it back uh, just from cutting it. But, like, if it makes them produce higher quality stuff, I'm okay with them putting out less of a blight. Kind of like yeah. how Marvel, like... Someone was posting about a Phoenix event and how they were releasing all these variants of it to the point where even, like, Captain America had a Phoenix on his chest. And, oh, like, yeah, Black Panther, too. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, bloated merchandise to sell. 
And sometimes that can be a little bit too much for consumers who are like, listen, calm down. We just want mm. good content. We don't want all this extra fluff. I'm like kind of torn because like on the one hand I have been saying like they need to calm down. There's a lot of extra stuff happening that doesn't need to be going on. Someone clearly did not have a good pitch. How did this get approved? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, yeah, these are real people. They had a job yesterday. They don't have one now. That absolutely sucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad that people are trying to come for them and help them financially if they need it or give them jobs. That's really good. And you want to see that. I just hope when it settles, it turns out for the best for DC. Hopefully. But my fear is that they're not going to be cutting out, in my opinion, the right people. Because, you know, some people may like stories that we don't like. True. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say about that. And hopefully we do get some answers soon. But to kind of kick it up a little bit, remember the 5G initiative? Yes. Or Generation yep. Zero, it was going to be called. And how we were supposed to be getting a free comic book day thing back in April explaining all this stuff right mm -hmm. and then everything was postponed right so it was just confirmed that generation zero or 5g or just dc comics generations is canceled this is according to bleeding cools article so before the shutdown and before dan didio was fired dc comics had the 5g thing and they was basically going to be a legacy type of reboot. These younger characters were going to be taking over the mantles of Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman. It was going to have a whole new timeline. It was going to have Wonder Woman's origin back to the beginning of the 20th century. It was going to expand Batman's timeline so that each Robin had their day as Batman. It was all canceled. Really? Some of these stories actually got rewritten into the flash forward event that little six issue miniseries that brought wally west back from the dead from tom king's heroes in crisis so is this also something we get to blame on jason killer and the whole upset? no this was just something that was left over from didio i'm sure it also just has to do with this whole comic pause because of publishing. Do you think any of it was due to like the intense backlash this idea got? I think that had to do with it too. I feel like having this pause on publication gave them the chance to actually look at the reviews of this stuff mm -hmm. and gave them like the idea that, you know what, let's just scrap it. Didio's not even here anymore. No harm, <laughs> no foul. <laughs> well, the cat's the way the mice play? It, pretty much. Okay. So, so yes. Yeah, one of the stories got rewritten into Flash Forward. And there's going to be this story, which is going to be in the Detective Comics 1027th giant event issue, because that specific issue is the anniversary of the first appearance of Batman. They love their anniversaries. And all these different writers are going to have a play in it. This one story that was going to be part of the Generations one is written by Dan Jurgens, and the art is by Kevin Nolan. That's going to be seen in it. So it's going to be called Generation Fractured. So you get to look forward to that in November, and we all get to look forward to 5G not becoming a thing. Heck yeah, Bruce Wayne, Batman <laughs> <I'm at> forever! <laughs> Never will he be replaced! 
And also coming in November, we have two new guests coming into Dark Knight's Death Metal. Muse, you will be happy about this. It is Lex Luthor and Superboy Prime. So that's why... Jeff Johns brought him from Shazam. Because he was like, how are we going to introduce this character back mm-hmm. in? We can't just be like, surprise! Exactly. He punched his way through the universe again out of sheer <laughs> spite and anger for Superboy. There is so much universal cataclysmic stuff happening now that you have two different versions of somebody morphed with Dr. Manhattan in Death Metal. I wouldn't be surprised if Superboy Prime just came in that way. There's also another cover of another Dark Knight story where the Batman who laughs is walking all the super pets, but they're all, like, zombified. Yeah. I'm talking Crypto, Streaky, He's walking a cow, a Ace, zombie cow. Titus, a cow, the monkey, the horse. Oh. All of them. Oh, goodness. <laughs> It looks really weird. And also <laughs> this other dog that I want to say is Scooby-Doo. Because oh. it is a brown dog, and he's got the blue collar, and he's got, like, the silver diamond It's probably a, tag. A, a reference to Scooby. I, I would not say be surprised. I am positive Batman has walked Scooby no mm-hmm. less than five times in his life. And the other big news that I had that V told me about today, mm-hmm. we are getting a 48-page one-shot this November from Tinian and Sam Johns with the art by Mirka and Dolfo mm-hmm. of everybody's new favorite original character, <laughs> Punchline. Oh, yeah. Uh, Our favorite. This is going to be going deeper into Punchline's story and her connections with Joker War. This is a quote. The story of Alexis K and how she'll take Leslie Tompkins, Harper Rowe, and Cullen Rowe on a harrowing journey that reveals her radicalization to the Joker's ideology. It makes sense because, like, you have this incredibly polarizing character. People complain that she's the most boring groupie they've ever heard of. Some college co-ed who somehow falls in line with Joker and somehow we're supposed to care. As opposed to, like, the all the other five million co-eds who are following Joker right now. And then... Sorry, make it sound like he runs a sorority. But he does! <laughs> he teaches at the McDonald's. No, that's mean. I'm not gonna go there. But you know what? There were a lot of female and male teenagers and uh, young adults serving him. So mm-hmm. we know that he could run a clown college. We wouldn't know. But anyways, yeah, it makes complete sense to me that, like, they would have this incredibly unpopular character and be like, you know what? We'll take whoever we can get to research her backstory and make it mean something. We got one shot at this. Who do we get? And they're like, um, everyone important's tied up. You can take the unpopular kids. Who is that? Um, it's Harper Rowe and her <laughs> brother. Okay. Yeah, they can... You know, they're kind of college age. They can go undercover. Mm-hmm. And you can have Leslie Tompkins. She can be their mentor. Nobody seems oh, yeah. to ever want to see Harper Row do anything. I've never read her in the comics. She's very underdeveloped, much like Punchline. Yeah. So, but I think there's more that you could do with Harper, to be oh, honest. Yeah. Honestly, yes. They gave her a sympathetic backstory, and she already has, like, the protector mentality. 
Her brother is hella boring, though. I'm not gonna be interested in seeing his life, but I bet he went to college with this girl, and now Harper has to go, like, rescue her brother or something. Maybe he dated her. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. It does crack me up, though, that the the other writer working with Timmy and Sam Jones, he's like, <laughs> fans immediately responded to Punchline. But like, they did. He did not mention that the fact that it was responding very poorly. So who's going to sue whom? Because I'm positive I saw a different series called Punchline in the comic oh, right. shop. Was it Marvel? I think it was. No, actually, I think it was an image thing. Yeah, because there is another series already running called Punchline, and it is not affiliated with DC. No. So I don't know. It still cracks me up, though, because I think Jorge Jimenez had posted on his Instagram a couple days ago of, like, Punchline and Harley. He's like, who would win? He posted on both Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, when I checked it, it was, like, 95% Team Harley. And then on Twitter, it was, like, 15 comments, and it was all Punchline. The thing about Twitter is it runs on fear. (laughs) People do not want to contradict a creator. So if you don't have something nice to say, you usually just shut up. But, like, people will just grovel at the feet of that creator. Oh, yes, you're so amazing. Bendis, you should write the story of my life. Oh, Tom King, can you come to my wedding? Like, they just drool all over these guys. And it will be, like, five people on a post. Mm -hmm. And it's all positive. And, like, the negative people, like, you can feel their eyes. But they're not saying anything. They're just sitting mm-hmm. there glaring at their computer screen. But on Instagram, it was like, you can't cancel me on here. Your character sucks. <laughs> but I've noticed with Punchline that there's definitely a split between people like us who just don't like her mm-hmm. and then fans that just immediately latched onto her. And it's very confusing. I don't really know. Like initially when I saw her design, I was like, okay. Her design looks kind of cool. Like, it, it looks... Mm. It's different. It's different than Harley. But then when she got introduced, there was nothing. Even if you read the one shot of hers in the Joker anniversary, you don't oh, really right. care. No. Well, I don't know if Tinian understands why Harley works and Punchline doesn't. Because Harley had history with us. At first, she was just a henchman. But she had such a different style from Joker... Mm-hmm. It was like a different sense of humor. It was a different sensibility. And the way she like grabbed onto everything with this very cartoonish gusto and kept that up for years. People really grew attached to her. Punchline has the personality of wet cardboard. Mm-hmm. Like she's very dull. Mm-hmm. And it's not like she's trying to be dull. She's trying to be super evil and she's so intimidating like she has this special convenient knowledge of everything and she's just mm-hmm. so boring and it's so weird because tinian introduced all of these like new characters in batman and they all fell really flat except like the designer was kind of like this enigma and you're like Ooh, what is mm-hmm. this guy like who is he and then you get introduced to him he was only in one issue because he died, which was kind of sad. That was the only problem was he, I think he died too soon. He was an interesting character. And 
his upside down man in Justice League Dark is fascinating. At first I was confused. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. But later on you do get more with him. And then you go read Tinian's Wind and you feel for all of these characters. He can write very good characters. And then other times they're wet cardboard. Like Something no one cares about, about Mr. T. Mr. T. Yeah. And like the all-American man. Whatever oh, Gunsmith or something yeah. like that. Shove them in the closet of like D list villains that never are gonna show up again. <laughs> right. And it's because they're just like these boring NPCs that he like built up. Mm-hmm. He didn't like give them anything good to grasp onto. It's the same with Punchline. Yeah. I don't even know if he's gonna do the same thing with the new thing that um, Jimenez was teasing that white <laughs> Genji character. Oh, yeah. That was the other one. Jimenez just teased this photo for the cover of batman 102 and it was somebody called the ghost hunter it's not all tacky like um a lot of the other characters who kind of just look pasted together it looks much more streamlined in design he's not very flexible because he has basically yeah he has the jasmine (laughs) hammer pants but they like kind of go down like penguins from mary poppins So, I don't know. I don't think it's very um, uh, efficient, but stylistically, it's great. And I've been thinking about what you said, and you was like, the funny thing about the designer is that he had, like, the worst outfit of any of them. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. The thing I hate about all these characters is that none of their outfits really tell a good story. No. They all kind of just do, like, the very minimum. They're trying to be cool, but they're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Clown Hunter, I'm confused with. Punchline, I'm still confused. My stretch theory is that she was created because Tinian is such a big fan of the 90s cartoon, Mm -hmm. and he obviously cannot have Harley Quinn and the Joker working together, so he had to make something similar to Harley Quinn that is not a emotional bond type of relationship, but a partner business ship. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's hoping Punchline and the Joker work. They don't. There's no chemistry there. But this is my stretch theory as to why she was created. The weird thing is they'll be standing in a room together and he doesn't talk to her, really. No. He never acknowledges she's there. No. And she's, like, kind of like his hype man. And she's just, like, saying, how dare you speak about him? He is the king. (laughs) And you're like, shut up. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) yeah so she's obnoxious i'm trying not to be that person who's like i have decided to hate this person so i will hate them to the bitter end so maybe this will have some sympathetic backstory that makes her likable Mm -hmm. i'm very open to his ideas i I, like him as a writer yeah i'm just may as well go in like oh maybe it'll be different and then it's not and i'm not hurt yeah yeah Honestly, I trust him when he has focus on his characters. Like, he hasn't focused on any of his side characters, and maybe that's nope. why they're all super shallow. On the other hand, I don't know how you could redeem Punchline to make her have a different personality than she currently has. Her personality is so annoying. Just drop her in some acid. We'll see what happens. You think acid gives you personality? I mean, look at Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn was always crazy. That's the pet theory. She's been pretending to be normal this whole time, <laughs> but she's one of those weirdos who was never meant to walk inside the lines. And I think that's where we landed as a society on, on Harley Quinn. 
Because even now, though she's now kind of reformed, mm. she still walks all zigzaggy. You know? Oh, yeah, she's a drunk. <laughs> 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 okay. I'm just picturing, like, the, the drunk test of walking the line. Yeah. I'm not even drunk, officer. <laughs> I just do this for fun. <laughs> so next week, we have Aquaman 62. <laughs> Batman 97. Mm-hmm. Catwoman 24. Very excited about. Yep. Dark Knight uh, Death Metal Guidebook number one. Which should be helpful navigating through all of these crazy ideas. <gasps> it's just going to be like an art book, isn't it? I would or rather be like an art book one. than a giant history book. It's either going to be blocks of text or it's going to be a lot of pictures of this is my Batmobile, <laughs> it's sentient. And this is my Bat Tonka. <laughs> and this is my Bat Shirt. It's, it's also living. It's kind of like that anime where it takes over and you become a bat. So, anyways, I don't think anybody's excited for it, but I feel like you're going to read it. So, Harley Quinn number 75 comes out, Justice League number 51, Metalman number 9, Nightwing 73, Scooby-Doo, where are you? 105. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Titans number 44, and the Wonder Woman Annual number 4, as well as the Black Label Wonder Woman, Dead Earth number 4. Did you read that at all? No, I did not. I read the first issue of that, and the art ruined it for me. The story, too, it's a apocalyptic Wonder Woman wakes up, like, sometime in the future or whatever. A lot of the black label stuff, the art is really... It's, it's something. You're right in the Vertigo, like, reference there, because the art definitely reminds me of Vertigo, where it's just like, where did you find this person? <laughs> Were they living in a home? I just want to know. <laughs> like, what's going on here? But then they, they charge so much for black labels. Mm -hmm. So it's like... This is the cream of the crop, or isn't it? Like, why are we spending more money on this? And somehow it is bringing in the money for DC. <laughs> I better get a nip slip in here <laughs> sooner, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta bring up that value, because I don't know anybody who's been reading Wonder Woman Dead Earth. I do not know. The only black label I know people are reading right now is Strange Adventures. And whatever Joe Hill has been doing with all those horror comics. I think that's it for DC, right? Yep, that's it for DC. Okay, awesome. So, Muse, what do we got next week? So, for Marvel, next week we have Ant-Man number 5, Avengers 35, Cable number 3, Captain America number 22, Captain Marvel 20, which is a Empire tie-in. We have Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown number 4, Empire X-Men number 4, The End of Plants vs. Zombies plus Mutants plus Old Ladies. Um, <laughs> they Okay, I will say this is really funny in like, I think issue 1 or 2 when they actually had them battling, it literally said Plants vs. Zombies. And then it was like Plants vs. Zombies vs. Mutants, and then Plants vs. Zombies vs. Mutants vs. like old ladies. So it was they were they were playing off the Plants vs. Zombies, and thing. they can get away with it because they're owned by Disney. Yeah, they're just really confident. They're lawyers, aren't they? Dicks. <laughs> we, have we have Excalibur number eleven, Lords of Empire Swordsman number one, Maestro number one, Star number four, Star Wars Bounty Hunters number four. Thor number six, Wolverine, Jane Foster number ten, and Valkyrie. Sorry. 
I got real excited for like half a second. <laughs> I was like, what has Jane been up to? Sorry. Ah. <laughs> Valkyrie, Jane Foster, number 10, and Wolverine, number 4. And I only have one Marvel title to read next week, and that is Thor. Are you reading Thor? I was. I'm not really the biggest fan of it. And it's Donny Cates. That's yeah, the only I reason thought I you dropped it, it. It was. Yeah. I actually want to give his Venom a shot because I read that free comic book day Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And that was really good. That was a really good Venom story in there. So, awesome. Thank you very much, guys, for joining me. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Court of Outlets. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week. And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.